You're listening to the Checklist Legal Podcast, digital thinking for lawyers. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the Checklist Legal Podcast. I'm Verity White, a corporate lawyer and contract productivity enthusiast. And Checklist Legal is a blog, a podcast and an ebook, all designed to help you as a lawyer or a legal professional craft contracts your clients love, design innovative tools to increase access to justice, develop new skills as a T-shaped professional and supercharge your personal and professional productivity. Very excited to get into episode seven uh, today, all about the SLAP test for productive contracts. So the SLAP test is SLAP with double P, and yes, that is an acronym which we will be running through today. The mindset that we're going to be using is fine-tune document performance. So remember that that's what we're doing when we're slapping our contracts into shape. We are fine-tuning the performance of our documents. So we're going to run through a whole bunch of things. We're going to have a look at five angles in the SLAP test in detail, where we'll touch on things like academic studies showing the effectiveness of visual contract elements, why easy to read is easy to like, how to format documents and the picture superiority effect. And of course, we'll also have an actionable challenge that we have every episode for you to try. You can follow along on the slap test steps by clicking on the link in the show notes that takes you to a Nosby How checklist. Let's get stuck into it. Last week, we ran the triple O productivity steps over our contract document. That is obliterate, optimize and outsource. That optimize step is a big and important one. So how do we know if our contracts are optimized and productive? You can see how well you've done at getting your contract document productive with a few easy tests. Just slap your contract document into shape. So let's start with the first letter in slap, the S. So the S in slap is for structure. And the key question we're asking is, is our contract structured like a reverse sandwich? so that it's useful and usable. Structure is key to creating a contract document that is usable and productive. And if your structure is old fashioned or illogical, it reduces the readability and increases the time to negotiate, read and implement your contracts. Ask yourself if you've structured the contract in a way that makes sense. Is the contract document easy to follow? Does that structure work in a digital world? Can it help you to automate that contract? Will the structure of the document help people clearly see what's going on inside the contract? Are you using numbering or alphabetical orders to make sense of clustered information? Does the order of your contract terms follow the life cycle of the contract relationship? In episode one, we learned the idea of making a reverse sandwich contract. This is the big structure secret for productivity boosts. Reverse sandwich contracts mean that you, your clients and customers don't waste time looking for information that they're often going to want to find in a contract. All the key parts of the agreement are easy to read and e-ready. So they're ready for electronic processes and automation. The basic structure of that reverse sandwich contract is standard terms which don't change in the middle and important things that we need to know and terms that change often on the top and bottom. And that's our reverse sandwich. If you're interested in different contract structure concepts, you can check out the International Business Communication Standards Association and they have a structured approach to structuring documents and the links will be in the show notes. Let's move on to L. So the L in SLAP is for likable. Do your contract documents look good? 
The way that your document looks matters. If your document is easy on the eyes, people will prefer to read it. Whilst I'm sure your contracts aren't written using Comic Sans font, things like font and formatting are really important. As pioneering data visualization and information expert Edward Tuft has said, clutter and confusion are failures of design, not attributes of information. Having a likable, good-looking document ties in with making the contract easy to read, which we'll also cover when we get to the two P's in SLAP. But for now, let's focus on making the words and the contract document as likable as possible. Key questions for you here. Is the document formatted in a likable way? Does it look good? Do other people think it looks good? Have you used a sans serif font for easy digital reading? Have you asked the people who use the contract how they think it looks? Have you asked your customers what they think of your contracts? There are many, many resources online about plain language and formatting. Some quick tips for formatting clear documents. Use a clean sans serif font for easy on-screen reading. Calibri, Arial, Gilsans. Use a font size between 10 to 12 point for standard clause text. In tables, when you've got information into a table, you can go down a size because it's already easier to see what the text actually reads. Avoid italics and underlines. It makes the text harder to read. Line spacing for contract text may depend on the document itself. I like spacing between 1.15 and 1.3. Use headings for easy scanning and reference. And leave some white space. Go for a moderate margin if you're using Microsoft Word. There's also uh, lots of style guides and basic formatting skills you can learn, and I'll link to some of those in the show notes as well. The A in SLAP is for automation. Is your contract ready for low-code automation? Here's where the contract document intertwines with the contract process. The way a contract process works can affect how a contract document is best structured. Depending on how the document works, its way through the different stages of contract approval or information gathering until it's fully completed and ready for signing, different structures of the document might be required. Short, sharp items that need entering might be better at the front of the contract, while others are better suited to the back in schedules. For example, important name and contact details are best placed at the front of the agreement in tables for easy reference later on. If you need to add in the search records for a registered company, such as part of the automated approval process, make sure your structure reflects this with an annexure at the back of a schedule. In future episodes where we look at making the contract process more productive, we'll cover off process mapping to prepare for automation in greater detail. Try mapping out the process for contract creation to see how automation could affect the way you structure the document. Other contract document elements to consider when prepping a contract for automation will include things we have hopefully got rid of by using the quick wins checklist. Other things to consider for getting your document ready for automation include leaving room at the top and bottom of a contract document for the unique document ID tags electronic signature platforms like DocuSign place onto PDF versions of contracts. Also leave enough room for people to enter signatures and other information. And use those standard fonts because often the electronic platforms only have basic fonts. If you use a fancy or specific company font, then your contract fields will look different to the standard text in your contract. An important reminder is also to make sure that your contract specifically calls out the ability to sign and accept electronic signatures as valid. The first P in SLAP is for plain language. 
ask yourself how easy your contract is to read and understand. Maybe you don't care how easy your contract is to read. Maybe you only want to tie someone up in legal knocks and protect your organization as much as you can. If that's your attitude, then perhaps you need a plain language intervention. The costs of poor writing can really stack up. So check your costs out using the rewrite for change calculators, which I'll link to in the show notes. Perhaps you could also uh, head to those if you know of people in your organization who don't see the value of writing in plain language. Whilst there's some doubts thrown on the accuracy of different readability scales, standard tools that are freely available, such as readability tools in Microsoft Word, the app Grammarly, and a whole bunch of others, can give helpful guidance on how readable your contract document is. Aiming for a readability scale of grade level 9 ensures your writing will almost be universally understood. So push yourself to write simply and check your scoring. And I'll link to a tool that you can try out your some of your writing and see how you score. Some quick and easy plain language tips for writing simple contracts. Use headings. Keep clauses short with sentences under 20 words. Keep the word syllable count low. Use numbering and bullets wisely, like salt, not too much. As Shelley Davis, writing trainer and TEDx speaker says, write like a human. This goes equally for lawyers and non-lawyers. People work better together with clear and simple information. For example, a 2005 study looked at using plain English in written clinical guideline recommendations. The clear and simple guidelines led to stronger intentions to implement the guidelines, more positive attitudes towards them, and greater perceived behavioral control over using them. This is a really easy way to foster a more positive attitude towards compliance and legal obligations in contracts if they're written in a way that customers and operations staff can understand them. Trust is a two-way street. If lawyers want to be trusted advisors, they need to earn that trust through clear and simple communications. Writing simply for fellow team members is the right thing to do. Writing simply for customers is the right thing to do. Now, you're not going crazy if you do find further things to obliterate once you run a plain language comb over your document. Optimizing your contract document with plain language often overlaps with obliterating unnecessary clauses and words. For example, in the course of optimizing a contract clause with plain language, you might realize you don't actually need that clause after all. When language is simpler, we can see it clearly. When clauses are simplified, we notice we repeat ourselves or the clause is outdated or contradicts a later amendment, or it's just wrong. If you find more unnecessary contract process steps or legal clauses to obliterate, well done, that's the whole point. And if you think you can't change a wordy word for a legal reason, then listen into the next episode on legalese where we go through practical tips for reducing legalese that we don't have time for in this episode. The second P in slap is for pictures. Do you use pictures, flowcharts, graphics, tables, and other visuals to break up the text in your contracts? This isn't just for aesthetics. Visual diagrams clarify vague concepts and provide greater certainty in contracts. And there's lots of studies that are being done at the moment which show that this is true. Stefania Passera is one of the leading uh, academics in this area. And her studies show that even highly educated people and judges perform better with a visual contract. And you can link to that, uh, have a look at that research in the show notes. In addition, the picture superiority effect outlines that pictures are six times more likely to be remembered than words are. Six times more likely. 
So if you're not sure if you need a table or a diagram in your contract, some red flags to look out for are clauses with delivery requirements, dates or dollars. Pretty much anything with numbers is likely to work better if taken out of a clause and placed into a table or some form of visualization for easy reading at a glance. Remember, if these numbers or deadlines often change, think of the structure and reverse sandwich these items to the front in a key details table or to the back in schedule. Now, for an example of a visual notice clause, uh, you can head to the show notes and there's a before and after version of the slap test that we've done to that uh, notice clause. So what did we do to the notice clause? For the S in slap, which is structure, we obliterated notice by fax machine because fax is an outdated technology and that is taking up valuable real estate in our contract. We also obliterated some duplication and confusing numbers. For the L in slap, we optimized with clear headings to make our clause more likable. And as I said, we obliterated those confusing numbering systems. For the A in SLAP, I built out an automated visual notice clause builder. So you can test that out and change the number of business days that you could put in there for notice. Test that out uh, by going to checklistlegal.com forward slash podcast and heading to the show notes. The P, first P in SLAP is for plain language. And so here we've optimized this visual notice clause with switching legalese from deemed to common sense kind of language by using regarded as. We've also made some things clearer in this particular clause. For example, what happens if notice is sent by normal mail and not by registered post. That second P, we uh, optimize by using a table to separate out the information because our brains like to see what's the same and what's different. We also optimize for fast readability and overall likability with basic icons. So that's the P, the pictures there to make out the different types of communication delivery that are easily to identify Our brain understands images much faster than it does words. So let's do a SLAP recap. (laughs) So SLAP stands for structure, likability, automation, plain language, and pictures. The five quick questions to test whether your contract document is ready for the big wide world. Step one, structure. Is your contract structured like a reverse sandwich? Step two, likable. Does your contract look good? Step three, automation. Is your contract ready for low-code automation? Step four, plain language. How easy is your contract to read and understand? Step five, pictures. Do you use pictures, flowcharts, graphics, icons, tables, and other visuals to break up the text? Great work, guys. There was so much content in there. And here is your actionable challenge. I am simple in my communications. I can hear you saying, there's an easy way to check. I want you to go into your sent emails folder or grab a clause from a contract that you've just written. Head to webpagefx.com forward slash tools forward slash readable and paste that text in. Then hold your breath and wait. See what score you get back. Hopefully it's under that grade level of nine so that it is easy to read. If it's not, then maybe you've got some hints on what you can work on next to help simplify your writing so that it is clear and fast and efficient to read. Thanks so much for listening to the Checklist Legal podcast. I'm Verity White and you can tweet at me at Checklist Legal or head over to checklistlegal.com and say good day over there. Look forward to chatting to you guys again soon. Next on the Checklist Legal podcast, is it time for lawyers to lose the legalese? We'll be getting right into the confusing jargon that lawyers use and coming up with some alternatives. So one of my favorite topics again. 
Looking forward to talking with you then. Bye for now.